Hi everyone, I'm Barak. Hi everyone, I'm Rahul, uh, and welcome to our knowledge video about syncope. Um, syncope is a very common station that comes up in the cardiology interview uh, scenario. And this video is all about providing the fundamental knowledge needed to tackle the question. Um, and with syncope, as you'll see, the most important thing is having a clear structure, um, which we will go on to talk about. Um, and that's very important to convey in an interview scenario. Um, attached to this knowledge video, we'll also have a separate video about bradycardias, um, which relates to the topic. So as we do with all uh, of our uh, knowledge videos, we'll start off with definitions. So syncope um, is defined as a total loss of consciousness due to cerebral hypoperfusion. And importantly, it's characterized by three things being rapid onset, short duration, and spontaneous complete recovery. And pre-syncope uh, is essentially the signs and symptoms that occur before loss of consciousness. And we'll go on to talk about that more specifically shortly. Now, uh, moving on and focusing on loss of consciousness specifically, this can be subdivided uh, based on uh, causes. Um, and that's quite nicely uh, demonstrated in this diagram. Um, so uh, causes of a total loss of consciousness can be first divided into traumatic or atraumatic, and then going on to the atraumatic causes. Uh, one cause is syncope, which can be subdivided into reflex syncope, orthostatic syncope, and cardiogenic syncope. And we'll talk, we'll focus this knowledge video on those three aspects um, in due course. Neurological causes can also cause uh, atraumatic total loss of consciousness, such as epileptic seizures, uh, hypoglycemic episodes. You get rarer causes, such as things like subclavian steel syndrome vertebrobasilar insufficiency, intracranial bleeding, and you also get psychogenic causes such as psychogenic pseudosyncope, which we'll touch upon a little bit later. Um, so now the next part of this uh, video, we'll talk about each type of syncope in more detail with some basic physiology attached to help us understand a bit more about why things occur. So we'll focus on reflex and orthostatic syncope first and later talk about cardiogenic syncope. Um, now, the pathoph pathophysiology uh, in, involved in reflex and orthostatic syncope. So the, the defining feature, uh, as we mentioned, is that there is decreased global cerebral perfusion in syncope and reduced uh, cerebral blood flow lasting for about six to eight seconds can lead to complete loss of consciousness. So that's about the time frame that you need. And why does this occur? Um, so it's all based typically on autonomic nervous system dysfunction, and that results in an abnormal reflex to a stressor. And specifically, there are two issues, um, and a combination of these can cause syncope. And these two issues are, the first one is a vasodepressive response, so essentially, there's not enough sympathetic drive to keep the blood pressure maintained in response to a stressor, and you get hypotension. So that's the defining feature of the vasodepressive response. And also a cardio-inhibitory response, where there is essentially an overshoot of the parasympathetic nervous system, causing a bradycardia. So that's the pathophysiology of reflex and orthostatic syncope. And then focusing on reflex syncope first, 
this itself can be again subdivided into various causes. So the first one is vasovagal syncope, and this is typically syncope due to emotion, uh, things like emotional stimuli, prolonged standing or pain, situational syncope, which can be provoked by things such as micturition, GI stimulation, such as swallowing, post-defecation, coughing or sneezing, post-exercise, carotid sinus hypersensitivity, uh, which is typically syncope from neck rotational pressure that stimulates the carotid sinus reflex. And important points in the history of reflex syncope is that there's typically a clear stimulus, such as in vasovagal, where you have prolonged standing, hot crowded spaces, pain, and what's described as autonomic activation beforehand. So typically patients describe pallor, sweating, nausea and vomiting. So that's reflex syncope. Moving on, uh, as you can see in the table, the next point is orthostatic hypotension. So normally on standing, what happens is that there is a reduced venous return and to maintain cardiac output, the reflex is to increase the heart rate with the, to maintain the blood pressure. And in orthostatic hypotension, uh, what essentially is going on is that there is a loss of this reflex and it's clinically defined as a drop of the systolic blood pressure of 20 or the diastolic blood pressure of 10 within three minutes of active standing. And the symptoms that a patient may describe are based more on the uh, absolute blood pressure level rather than the magnitude of the fall. So if the blood pressure dropped from 200 systolic to 150, the symptoms are likely to be less than if it, let's say, dropped from 120 to 70 systolic. Um, and the important point in the history is that typically there's, there's a description of lightheadedness or loss of consciousness on standing or in a postprandial state um, where the gut sequesters a lot of the blood uh, akin to standing. Now, what causes this? Well, statistically, the commonest causes, uh, causes sorry, is drug-induced, such as vasodilators or diuretics classically. Uh, the second most common cause is venous pooling, um, uh, and the third most common cause is volume depletion, so being dehydrated. And then autonomic failure is also an important cause, which can be primary or secondary autonomic failure. So primary causes, examples are things like Parkinson's disease, multiple systems atrophy. Secondary causes are things like diabetes, amyloid, and chronic kidney disease. So that's your reflex syncope and then your orthostatic hypotension, the kind of understanding of the pathophysiology and the underlying causes. The last section of syncope is cardiogenic syncope. Um, and this is essentially where there is a cardiac cause that accumulates in a reduced cardiac output and cerebral hypoperfusion. And the causes can be subdivided into three main aspects which are arrhythmic causes, structural causes, and vascular or coronary causes. So focusing on the arrhythmic causes, first of all, uh, this can include tachy and bradyarrhythmias. Um, and in, uh, we have subsequent knowledge videos about, uh, which focus on atrial fibrillation, SVTs, and bradycardias. So please refer to those for a bit more detail about, about those specific arrhythmias. Structural causes can be things like an outflow obstruction from something like aortic stenosis, 
left ventricular outflow tract obstruction in uh, commonly in diseases such as hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and things like cardiac tamponade. And your vascular causes can include things like an acute MI, compromise in cardiac outputs, pulmonary embolism, things like that. Now, the key aspects in your history that are red flags for a cardiogenic cause of syncope include symptoms that occur on lying down when awake, symptoms that occur on exertion, and that suggests more of an outflow tract obstruction, having chest pain or palpitations occurring pre the loss of consciousness, and having a, a significant family history of things like sudden cardiac death. So that's your, what we've covered so far are the causes of loss of consciousness, and we've focused on syncope with the three main subsections to try and understand the pathophysiology and, um, and the causes. Um, next, we're going to talk about the diagnostic evaluation of syncope, but I just wanted to uh, give an opportunity, Balric, any, anything to add? Uh, that was more about the kind of theory that we talked about. Yeah, um, I think Rahul's obviously put a lot of effort into uh, going through the causes of syncope here, and I think that's probably one of the best uh, the best rundowns of the causes of true syncope um, in terms of splitting up in your head that you can think of. So I'd just watch and rewatch this video and uh, really, really com commit it to memory and commit it to a framework. So I think that's a um, really, really good framework to have in your head when you're, so once you've approached the station, a clinical station, you understand that this is syncope. So that's a, once you define that in your history, you're really then just going through those three, those three causes of syncope, reflex syncope, orthostatic and cardiogenic. And I really like how you split up cardiogenic into um, structural and arrhythmogenic uh, and pos pos possibly vascular, but structural and arrhythmogenic probably the more likely causes. And you really nicely outlined the symptoms that point you towards those, um, especially the preceding cardiac symptoms and the family history of sudden cardiac death. Um, so yeah, that's a uh, really good. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, no, 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 nothing to add. Uh, just watch and rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, we mentioned at the start of the video that you you need to demonstrate a structure in your um, approach to answering it at the interview. Well, that that is your structure there. Um, so uh, we'll now talk about how you apply that. The only other thing I'd say is that obviously, uh, as always, we've been uh, we've been overzealous in making sure we've given you all the information mm. here. But like, for example, for orthostatic hypotension even if you just talked about a few of the, uh, the knowing mentioned that there's primary and secondary causes of autonomic failure, I mean, you already, you've already knocked out of the park. So uh, you don't need to go into you know, Parkinson's MSA or diabetes or amyloid necessarily in your interviews. Yeah, I agree. I guess there's this balance of realizing it's a cardiology interview, but also not being so shoehorned as, as you wouldn't in real life. Um, and that's a common trap people can fall into just focusing on the, cardiology aspect um i think syncope is that station that they really want to make sure you don't get just trapped into the cardiology uh causes of syncope because there are just so many yeah exactly um okay uh so we'll now go on to talk about the diagnostic evaluation of syncope um and with all things it starts with a history um and the key thing is firstly to establish if there's a loss of consciousness or not and then actually establish if there is syncope as the loss of consciousness. So is it that sudden onset, short duration, quick recovery, or a non-syncopal cause such as epilepsy or rarer causes, the, the psych psychological causes. And that's best structured with a history focused around before, during and after 
the episode with a collateral if, if witnessed if possible um and if the history is suggestive of syncope you then want to proceed to uh, elicit, uh, kind of go down more further specific questioning tailored uh, to elicit the different types um, that we explained earlier. Um, and that would be the structure of your history, that before, during and after. Um, and if the history is suggestive, asking those appropriate, let's say, red flag questions uh, about cardiogenic syncope, if the history is suggestive. So following on from your history, your structured history, you'd go on to examine the patient. And this would essentially be a, a focused cardiorespiratory examination, plus a neurological examination, if relevant. And in your history, you'd also include, sorry, in your examination, you'd also include a lying and standing blood pressure at zero, one, and three minutes to check for orthostatic hypotension. If you suspect that there is carotid sinus hypersensitivity, you may also mention that you would trial potentially a carotid sinus massage to help diagnose that. Um, that would be your history and your examination. Um, the, we'll talk about a couple of more basic tests that you would uh, do in all patients that came in. So a 12 lead ECG, and this would be looking for high risk features in the first instance. So a tachyobradyarrhythmia, evidence of heart block, but also looking for evidence of underlying heart disease. So for example, is there the left ventricular hypertrophy suggestive of Hokum or the um, T wave inversion in the RV leads of V1 to V3 and epsilon waves of ARVC? Or is there a Brigada pattern of partial right bundle branch block with ST elevation in V1 to V3 or a prolonged QTC or a pre-excitation QRS? So these are the kind of, uh, I would say, five key structural things that you'd look for in any ECG. Uh, you may then want to supplement that with some prolonged ECG monitoring, again, looking for evidence of any tachy or bradyarrhythmias or significant sinus pauses. And the gold standard diagnosis is for a patient to report symptoms and you have an ECG recording taken at the same time to investigate for an arrhythmic cause of, of syncope. And the, the type of device that you may use for this prolonged ECG monitoring will vary based on the frequency of symptoms that the patient reports. And we discuss a bit more about that in our atrial fibrillation knowledge video. But is it a halter video, a halter, sorry, for 24 hours, 72 hours a week, or is it a, an implantable loop recorder? Or would you suggest that one of these newer uh, devices, such as a cardio mobile application on your, on your um, mobile phone? Um, You'd also want to perform a transthoracic echo if the history is suggestive of cardiogenic syncope to investigate for an underlying structural cause. And you'd also, as a basic test, want to do some blood tests on a patient to look for specific reversible causes, such as an anemia or an infection, for example. So that's your that would be your initial workup for uh, a loss of consciousness suggested by, suggested by cardiogenic syncope. Barak, before we move on to talk about some more specialist tests that you may consider, anything you would add or want to add? Nothing necessary to add. I think the things to highlight are that you as the trainee really want to get across to the, the consultant interviewer across the table from you, that you appreciate that the history is one of the most important things um, with regards to syncope. So you might have a statement such as, the history here, the history is very important here. So I want to make sure I take a clear history and then yeah, talk about collateral history. I think that was a really nice point. Uh, and then, yeah, the investigations 
the average candidate would just say ECG, uh, bloods, and hold to monitor. The better candidate would say exactly what the call has gone through an ECG, looking for specific high risk features. You don't have to mention all five, but just have three. I think the rule of three is a nice one. So, specific ECG features like features of hokum, uh, prolonged QT, and pre excitation, um, as a, among others. Uh, and then, yeah monitoring and if you can say instead of just hold to monitoring but as you said hold to monitoring appropriate to the the frequency of their symptoms um and we've gone through that in the past but uh you know if they're getting symptoms reliably on exercise then you just say we'll put a halter monitor on them if you can exercise on the day you've got the halter um obviously make sure you're safe and people are around you if you if there's worries about true syncope but that's the way you'd uh play it and you, know, you can't you can't ever have a syncope history and not not do an echo uh, so yeah yeah fantastic okay uh so now we'll talk about so that's your kind of basic workup 